Gentlemen, welcome to Cartridge. The first rule of Cartridge Club is you do not talk about Cartridge Club. The second rule of Cartridge Club is you do not talk about Cartridge Club. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 11 of the Cartridge Club. I am Player One, the unshowered uh, brother of the two. You smell wonderful. To- today we are joined by three fantastic guests, and uh, we're all here to talk about a game that we've been playing this month. Shadow of the Colossus, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so Great I game. ask that uh, you kindly join us in welcoming, uh-huh. well we'll start with uh, Cat Max Gaming, I guess. Wee. Hey everyone, how's it going today? Good, Steven. Yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty good. So this is your second time on the show? Mm-hmm. I'm back. You're back. Made the cut. Yeah. Um, why don't you let our guests know, uh, or our listeners, sorry, know where they can where they can track you down should they enjoy your uh, witty... Uh, allegedly yeah. witty banter. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a uh, YouTube channel. I call it Catmax Gaming. You can find uh, both retro gaming and modern gaming content there. You got your let's plays, your reviews, uh, assorted live events, and I think it's a pretty good time. Check it out. Maybe uh, maybe you'll consider uh, subscribing or something if you haven't already. Uh, I also have my own podcast, which is currently just on Podomatic. I know you guys are talking about me getting on iTunes. I got to figure that out. I don't know iTunes on Mac. Is there a new uh, hype? cast up right now there's two in the works yeah editor trent's been busy these days i, I check that uh that podomatic almost every day so do you yeah. yeah yeah do you check it as often as you check our google drive folder way Net- more than that way more than that. next up <laughs> i want to welcome retro jay back to the podcast <laughs> hello everyone hey jay what's going on uh, not too much man thanks for having me back oh, i know the last time after last time there was a lot of um specified mail towards me Mostly cease and desist, so <laughs> thanks for ignoring that and meeting me in international waters today. <laughs> well, yeah, it turns out we can't uh, can't have restraining orders applied to people in the UK, so... That's welcome. all right, then. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> uh, let, why don't you let our listeners know on the, the many locations they can track you down. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I also run a YouTube channel called Tiger Fucking Uppercuts, where Ooh. we do uh, gaming challenges and collaborations with other YouTubers. Uh, so if you want to check out your... Uh, even the Cartridge Bros have appeared on it uh, twice, actually, haven't you? So Ooh. that's always fun and games there. And uh, the usual Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram stuff, usually just TFU official. Mm. The, t- uh, the Tiger Uppercut, uh, the, the Tiger Fucking Uppercut mm. channel's fantastic. He does it with... Uh, Mark the Wolf 666, and Mark Mark yeah, is right both up. hilarious and uh, very knowledgeable on games, and he, we actually had him on here as well. He, he was, to talk he to was so nervous, he told me before, he <laughs> rang me about five minutes before he was going to go on, and he's like, what if I mess up, man? I, mess up? <laughs> I was like, dude, it's fine. That's funny. And he did great, it was yeah. awesome. You know, all he has to do is show up, one of the brothers doesn't usually even beat the games. <laughs> yeah. That is true, usually. Ouch. <laughs> Wiki it's a proud heritage. Yeah, Wiki Bros. That's right. <laughs> I watched a walkthrough. I'm sure I'm good. <laughs> oh man! And last up, we have uh, who is? What's I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say she, she's the best blogger on the internet. Welcome back to the show, Lo. Good day, gentlemen. I'd like to say long time listener, first time caller, but it would only be half true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. These are all returning guests. Yeah. 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 Wow. Sorry. 
Don't worry. <laughs> next, next month we have two. We, actually, next month it's all new guests. Oh, awesome! And you're going to be there. And I will not be there. I am a. So where yeah. can I find Lo? I've got this tiny space on the web called And Then She Games, where I post game-related nonsense. Uh, that can be found at AndThenSheGames.com. Yeah, it's good stuff. Blow. It is. It is a great. It is a really good reach. She recently beat uh, Miramasa, and the uh, the blog about that was fantastic. Yeah, it's hard to beat. You know, a good blog. I find myself looking for more blogs, and they're really hard to find. Yeah, like, it's yeah, hard to find uh, good blogs. There are a lot of good ones. Um, yeah. Herself, actually, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, I usually on Fridays mention a few uh, really good bloggers. So if you follow the Cartridge Bros on Twitter, next Friday you'll get uh, the heads up on some some great spots to read on the internet, yeah, including but not limited to my pals, the Teenage Mutant Ninja bloggers. That's right. Wow, <laughs> I have not read them yet. Yeah, you have. Yeah. I have. They used to be the three blogateers. Yep. Ah, <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. Promoted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Their numbers increased by one. Awesome. Well, everybody, we are very happy to have all three of you back. Uh, you're all fantastic people. We enjoy every opportunity we get to interact with you, and I'm especially excited to speak with you today about a game that uh, is in a genre that I hate, but a game. That transcended that genre. Survival horror? Yeah, Mm. it's not. Anyway. So I'm going to pass things over to my uh, wiki bro, and he's going to tell us straight off the top of his head what uh, game we played this month, and uh, probably some tidbits of information that you would be hard-pressed to find on the internet. (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah. So yeah, anyways, this this month we have been playing Bioshock, which is a first-person shooter game. Would you call it a survival horror? No. I guess not. The city why did not so? survive. No. Oh, why? That's accurate. In order to be survival horror for me, it has to be, you have to be limited in your ammunition, and there was oodles and oodles of ammunition and Adam all around the city. <laughs> That's an interesting definition. What would you think, Jay? Hmm. I mean, I'd say that the survival horror, I mean, it's true that the term survival is heavily weighted in that term, but I still say that there are horrific elements within the game that would push it from a an action shooter to a horror first-person shooter. That's fair. Mm. I think this is a definitely a, a pretty good hybrid of the two, mm. and uh, it, it is kind of hard to define it as one or the other. It's a first-person horror. Mm. Yeah, but it come, I could work with it. It comes down to atmosphere more so than the... Um, the actual gameplay, I'd say, that gets across that tone. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's what happened with games these days, is that they're so complex as a whole that they get their genre titles based on what they look like or sound like instead of what they were made to be. Agreed. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a very good point. Yeah. Hmm. That's a very good point. Reminds me of the, uh, the cover of Bioshock Infinite, how they had to make it like gray shooter man on the front, but on the inside, if yeah. you open it up, they actually had a more artsy thing that you could flip it around. Mm. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's like a double-sided that. cover. The masses. <laughs> the front, it's just the like game yeah. itself was uh, still White very male, brown hair, standing with a gun. It's like oh, tough guy. So they're trying to yeah, get those shooter bucks, a... but then they're like, well, our game's artsy too, so we'll please everyone have a uh, second, uh, prettier image on the other side. Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they even That's slipped an American flag in there. Yeah, <laughs> they did. <laughs> just one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, an American burning. flag and an eagle, an eagle eating a Big Mac. <laughs> America. That's funny. But yeah, this game came out way back in 2007. Oh, wow. Do you know what day? Uh, no. Obviously, no, August. How, how, how would I ever possibly know that? <laughs> so, yeah, 2007. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to play it back then. I got to admit, this is my actually my first time through it. 
and, uh, and I'm happy I got a chance. But how about you? When, when, when did you play P1? Uh, I, w- I played it a few years ago. I didn't play it at release. Uh, Bioshock 2 had already been released when I played this. And um, I won't spoil how I felt about it, but when I ran out and bought Bioshock 2, I was very disappointed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. How about uh, how about you, Stephen? Was this your first time through? Uh, originally, I played the game and beat it on uh, the PC version, which was Games for Windows. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> so sorry. All right, Pete. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. but uh, I got the job done, and my computer was uh, it was okay. It ran the game well enough, not perfectly, but you know, computers, right? right. Yeah, stats. Um, so is this your first time going back through it since then? Yep. I, what I did this time is, uh, on that same Bioshock Infinite uh, PS3 disc I was just mentioning, uh, the specific copy I bought comes with Bioshock the original. Oh, nice. So what you need to do is uh, you install all of Bioshock the original to your PS3's hard drive, but then you need the Bioshock Infinite disc in the system to actually play that data. It's kind of like old school DRM. Wow, mm. it is, yeah. And, uh, little bonus. Like, I don't think, uh, most of the copies had that. Maybe it's just like a day one release or first print. A little bonusing. Yeah, I haven't heard But, uh, this time I was playing original Bioshock on hard mode with Vita or Vita, whatever you pronounce it. Vita Chambers Off. And, uh, oh. it's interesting. It kind of makes it feel more like a, like an older first person shooter. The right. sort of save before you go into any big room kind of, mm-hmm. kind of game. Right. You were going yeah. for that big brass balls achievement, weren't you? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So in this current playthrough, I'm in the, I guess, fish market area. Oh, yes. So um, as you can imagine, uh, Big Daddies, for an example, when they do that rushing charge attack at you, that's almost an instant kill every time in hard mode. Oh, so yeah. I've not been able to uh, take any of them out just yet. By that, of course, I mean uh, defeat them and not date them. <laughs> um, so, um, of your two experiences, did you prefer the PC over the PS3, or which is your? Favorite? No, because uh, I don't have to worry about system requirements with the PS3. Uh, I was actually playing a while ago Bioshock Two on the PS3, and it seemed like it was getting that sort of you know that like screen tearing. Yeah, uh, maybe that's not quite what it is, but you know when you like you're moving your camera and you kind of get like that blur, that after blur. Yeah. Uh, I was getting that, I believe, in Bioshock 2, but not in Bioshock Original. So maybe they updated the original one on the PS3. I don't know. It might just be my crazy imagination. Yeah, it's possible. yeah I, I do prefer it on the uh, on the PS3, I think. I don't know. How about uh, how about you, Lo? Did you play it originally back in 2007? August 21st, 2007. <laughs> really? That is the day it wow. was released. It's um, a day that will forever remain an infant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sort of. Awesome. Um, no, I, I remember seeing the promos. and the, Even the, this game had commercials, which is kind of rare mm, um, yeah, to see is. on regular television anyway. And um, I didn't even know what it was. All I knew is I had to have it. <laughs> and this was at a time when I, I guess I was gaming pretty regularly still, but it was getting more difficult to get my hands on them but I, I don't know i just had to have it so uh i remember quite vividly the better part of that summer and then into the fall just getting everyone i knew hooked on this game so is it my first time absolutely not it's probably i want to say at least a half a dozen times Ooh. that i've beaten it 
Wow. What platform is uh, your preference? Uh, I picked it up for uh, Xbox originally and still have it for Xbox. So it's kind of curious to hear about all the tales in PC and PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I don't even but... think it was available on PlayStation right away. You had to get it later on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. had like an, it, it one was... extra scene in it as well, didn't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Console Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. How about uh, how about you, Jay? Did you play back? When? Yeah, I got it on. Um, so I didn't even know that this uh, this game deserved a uh, a midnight release where I was from. But I was out drinking with my mates, and <laughs> I walked past uh, my local game dealership, and they were actually open. And so I'm steaming drunk, walked in there, and I was like, <laughs> "Give me the thing with the fucking like underwater shit going on." And they were like, "All right," and they sold it to me. <laughs> it's like, so. When people say guys had one too game. many Arcadia Merlots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they sold them silent service for the uh, silent service for the NES. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I um, so I basically uh, bought it on day of release, and then I woke up the next day horrific hangover with my mates over at my house, and uh, woke up to that just sitting on my table, and I was like, "Drunk Jules, he knows what's up." Yes. Um, so yeah, I probably played this through again, like I said, like probably about half a dozen times. I've even converted the girlfriend into it. She loves Bioshock One and Two, and she hates Infinite. And good on her. So. Oh, wow. Here, here. Mm. Mm. Infinite sucks. <laughs> I haven't even started. It's, isn't it more on that later? later and... Yeah, we'll get into that. That's, that's a whole different ballpark. <laughs> Yeah. What about uh, what platform did you get it from? Um, I got it for my 360, and since then I've had it on uh, PC as well because a friend of mine bought it because there was a time when the Xbox you may you may remember wasn't as reliable as it is now. And so <laughs> four, four Xboxes mm-hmm. before the one I've got now. For um, every playthrough of Bioshock, you needed a new Xbox. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it was like it became aware, and you saw the spiritual successor of a System Shock come out in it then. When it was just like warm, warm. <laughs> it's uh, it's really neat. This is the first month that uh, our partnership with Steam actually paid off, and they uh, released <laughs> Bioshock as part of the humble bundle for this month for us. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do next month with Star Comics. Yeah, Club bundles. Yeah. Holy yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's a great idea. So everybody now we know uh, whether or not they played it before, and that's good. And I didn't edit anything out there that you wanted to hear. <laughs> so now we're gonna move on, and I guess we'll start talking about the story of Bioshock. Yeah. Uh, do you need Wikipedia for this too, or do you? Uh, no, it's no? all you. All right, so I'm gonna <laughs> just read it verbatim. <laughs> Bioshock is set in 1960, in which the player guides the protagonist Jack after his oh. airplane crashes in the ocean. The path is terminus that leads to the underwater city rapture. We could just make that a podcast. Just reading That's the <laughs> yeah, so the game starts. You're on an airplane, and the plane crashes. Um, luckily, right next to uh, a lighthouse and uh, a bathysphere that takes you down into an underwater city. It's and, almost uh, as if someone programmed you to do it. <laughs> oh, as if it was spoiler. planned. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I guess it would have made for a much more dull game had you just crashed in the middle of the Atlantic and nothing <laughs> happened until you died of... Uh, Hypothermia. Yeah. That's the um, that's the uh, deleted alternative ending to yeah. Castaway. By the way, <laughs> if it had been made by if it had been made by EA, that would have been DLC for twenty five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a silent. Also, one where you're sitting there and the Lutesses go by. And Andrew Ryan would be wearing like a uh, Doritos and Mountain Dew jacket. <laughs> oh, sign me up. Yeah. So uh, you play as Jack. You find yourself in this underwater city where. Um, 
the future has taken a weird twist, and people are uh, altering their bodies to make yeah. themselves more perfect. Mm-hmm. And but that doesn't uh, happen. Real world. No, and that's not. I guess you know it's not that far off from reality. Yeah, 1960 though this game took place. Yeah, they were pretty advanced for. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. Um, the did you guys read the of government? Did yeah. you guys read the books? Uh, the book that was with this. No, oh. I actually wish that I had the book because I would. Love yes, to yeah. Read that. I read it over this month just so that I could actually see if there was anything that was revealed in that as to how they got the technology. And you know how they explain it? How? <laughs> Andrew Ryan looks over at Bill McDonough, or whatever his name is, and she goes. I've been developing secret technology for years, don't you know? And no more is said of it. Wow. <laughs> and this, no and this guy, this guy is clearly like, he hasn't just sort of shadow authored this. He's actually obviously gone into detail with Ken Levine because there are some elements of the plot that are like really, they link directly into the game. So he knows what he's on about. And to have that one line just explain it all away, I was like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Yeah. It's it yeah. a way to explain it, though. Yeah. Is this well, like a proper say, novel yeah. or a graphic novel? Or? It's a proper novel, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, it just basically tells the story of how Rapture got into the state that it was in five years before Jack arrives. Cool. Mm. I would like to read that. Yeah. Mm, it's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. So, yeah, Rapture is this city under the water, and uh, it's there to be a utopia, to save everybody from the impending uh, atomic war that... Uh, that they believe is going to happen, and it's uh, it's sort of a it's supposed to be a utopia where you follow no rules. Really, you mm-hmm. do what makes you happy, and unfortunately, sometimes what makes you happy makes others unhappy, and Rapture very quickly descends into madness. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. people. <laughs> Evidently, Andrew Ryan did not read Lord of the Flies. No, yeah. <laughs> can't escape the crazy. <laughs> yeah, so you find yourself here, and uh, you are talking talks through the game by uh, a mysterious man named Atlas, who is uh, going to help you get out, and then get revenge for the death of his family, and then or not, yeah, or not <laughs> choices, and all kinds of craziness happens along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wackiness ensues. <laughs> Sub blows up. Who's that guy that's down there um, by the sub? Spoilers. Is that not? Um... That's Atlas, isn't it? No, it's supposed to be. Like you're supposed to think it is, but yeah. It's, but it's isn't not. his Clearly family? Not. <laughs> yeah. You see what he looks like at the end. No, it's uh, isn't it? Um, what's his name? Wales, Simon Wales's family. Oh, what's... is it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. No, was... no, no. That's Alexander Jill. Oh, what's his name? Uh, there's one of the characters. He has a family that is trying to escape, and I think it's it's tied to that. Like another oh. sub story. Oh, okay. Okay. Lo, help us! You played it so many times. <laughs> no, I, they don't really clarify that. I mean, even at the end, um, Fontaine does say, "Man, I had you going," especially at that whole submarine bit. My family. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's most likely with if with Fontaine doing it, it's probably just some splices, isn't it? That he's just told to stand there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got mad control over them. Yeah. yeah. The splicers. I, you know, I love. They are. Such a great part of the game because it's the the society for anybody who hasn't played the game. Um, the, the the people they just they start altering their bodies with this uh, toxin essentially called Adam, and they plastic surgery and they just try and make themselves better, but they end up making themselves into these horrific monsters. Addicts. And, uh, yeah, and they get like it's it's crazy how just I don't know because you, you can. It's, it's one of those games where you don't have to run and gun, and you can just sort of take your time, and you'll see, like, 
There's one scene that stands out for me. It was a woman talking to like a, a baby carriage. My pistol. Yeah, yeah. It's just so so well done, and I don't know the 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 raptor itself felt like it was inhabited, and the people in there felt like that's. I think if I moved under the ocean, that's what would happen. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Cut off from all uh, all civilization. I mean. Yeah. Three weeks on the boat, and I'm ready to start cutting my face. <laughs> there you go. People, you know. start holding I your think what sets. <laughs> <laughs> you basically live this every time he's. <laughs> it's a I think what sets splicers apart from most enemies, especially in a game that's designed this way, is that they're not necessarily zombies or right. monsters. They're still people. Yeah. They mm. talk. They <laughs> sing and they interact with one another and have conversations. They're just hideously deformed and have Edward Scissorhands things going on. And right. yeah. but you know, they they know talk to you when you approach them. Yeah. Well, they're dealing with their addiction like anybody else would. Right? It's it's almost like they don't even know there's anything wrong with them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, you're they, the freak. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, well, like they there's such nice little touches in the character designs as well because it's like when you kill them. You can obviously just like look at their body and the ragdoll physics meant that you could sort of like manipulate them into taking a good look at them as it were. But the um there's like the ones that wear the bunny masks on their yeah. face. When they're knocked off, you can see that they've actually had the impression of the bunny mask on their like face is sunk in. So it's almost um, like their their skin has turned so much to clay that it's just like actually morphed around the the face mask. And it's little touches like that the character design that I was like they put great attention to detail into who you're fighting. Yeah. Which oh, make it that crazy. much rewarding to beat them. Yeah, and you have to like. There's no, there's no reasoning with them. Mm. You know, you Oops, can't sorry. talk to it. You can't run away from him. He's coming for you. And when he you can cause you, them he... to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's uh, one of the, one of the powers. Plasmids. Yeah, Plasmids. one of the plasmids. Uh... Enrage. Enrage. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I love the splicers. Yeah, I like that They're they good pretty much invented a word to. I mean, it's essentially like users, I guess, or uh, yeah. It's and a great name. Splicing their DNA with the yeah. yeah, and making splicers a term. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. It was a well-thought-out idea. Yeah. Mm. Maybe we should talk a little bit about Adam. Mm. Okay. Is he here today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, was really Adam ups- he was really upset with that bitch for eating the apple. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know that they... Uh, yeah, Adam. I listened to a diary that explained a bit where the first uh, slug, I guess you would call it, came from. But do you know more about it? Like, where did it come from? They, uh, was it, uh, Tenenbaum, the doctor? In, in the yes. book, they tell you. Oh, do they? Well, <laughs> yeah. you can line us, Jay. <laughs> so, uh, so in the book, um, there's, uh, one of, uh, Fontaine's fishing men, uh, called, uh, yeah. Limpy, right. Right, or, or Lefty. Um, basically he's had his, uh, left arm paralyzed, uh, by it being slammed into, uh, a door, right. one of the hydraulic doors. Right. And one of these days she walks down through the, um, the docks to see Fontaine. Uh, Tenenbaum this is and she sees him throwing a football back and forth and he catches it with his left hand and he runs up and he starts thanking her and basically or like just trying to talk to her and she says like wasn't your left arm paralyzed and he says well yeah I got bitten by one of these ugly things and it after a couple of days my arm started feeling better and I got um, mobility back in it so she asks where have you still got it and he goes yeah do you want to buy it and then that's how that starts Ah. sea slugs so yeah so she takes the slugs and she modifies them yeah. Uh, she goes into business with Fontaine, who uh, funds her research of the slugs. Okay. And then he ultimately starts Fontaine Futuristics as a result of that research. 
they do. They actually wipe out yeah. uh, most of the slugs, and in the end, that's why they are forced to use the little sisters as carriers because there are only sort of I think three or four slugs left at the end of the book. Because I know if you sacrifice a little sister, they turn into a slug. Mm. What? Yeah. If you well, they well, you pull the slug out. Yeah, you? yeah. You have the option to uh, save or sacrifice a little sister. If you sacrifice them, you get more atom for your leveling up, and if you save them, you get less atom. Um, the slugs were implanted in the little sister's stomachs so that they could mass produce atom. So that's why they run around with those gargantuan ass syringes pulling atom from all the dead people, <laughs> and then they, I guess, consume it, and in their stomach, the slug reproduces uh, atom. That's why they because they put and it in there. You get more if you kill them because you're getting the whole yeah, slug. They put the atom mm. in a baby bottle and they drink it. I love that. That the needle is just like a hybrid needle baby yeah. bottle. It's just again such a great design. Yeah, I, uh, when I first played the game. Because um, it's one of those decisions, and like most times, you get a game where you have decisions, and they're really easy to make. Mm-hmm. But in this one, your decision is either to save this little girl or to destroy her, essentially, to make yourself more powerful. And yeah, it's to make yourself better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time I played it, I I started off and I I destroyed the first one, and she became a slug. And I I actually felt so bad about what I had done that I restarted the game, and from that <laughs> point forward, it was nothing but saving them. I just. I couldn't. I didn't have it in me to to do like even for the mm. small extra boost, which really doesn't doesn't matter because you get those presents after every three or four. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it almost yeah. that's the thing though. The first time you play it, you don't really know that. You don't know what you're getting True. into. All you've got is Atlas, who you're convinced is your friend at yeah. this point, telling you it doesn't matter. Get rid of them. And then this chick shows up and says, "Don't. I'll make it worth your while." And then you just sit there with the screen up for twelve and a half hours, going, "I don't know what to do." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bros before hoes. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed because I did do one route where I went full save, and I did do another one where I went full destroy. And I was really disappointed that when I did the full destroy one, I didn't actually get anything extra for doing it because it's kind of like the rewards that you get from the little sisters were better because they offered up plasmas, they offered up extra bullets yeah. and ammunition and stuff. Yeah. Whereas doing the destruction route, you just got Adam for like the short term fix, but there wasn't even the, enough plasmids almost to buy with the money that you had for it. So it was like, mm. Mm. wish they'd done a bit more Dang with that. Here. There are actually technically three oh, endings. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. And is that? Although two of them are virtually identical. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Blue lasers and green lasers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a case. Um, yeah, so you're following instructions from this guy, Alice, yeah. and you're making your way through the city and. Uh, he turns out to not be a good fella. Yeah. He uh, he's using you the same way he used the splicers. The same because essentially you're just one of his puppets anyway. Right. Which I'd like to get into that more too. Let's... I think you're you're the puppet. <laughs> yeah. Well, go ahead there. Uh... Well, I'd like to actually let's talk about a little more about Andrew Ryan first before because that's who you think you're against the whole game is Andrew yep. Ryan. So maybe we should talk about him. Um, you want to talk about him or go ahead? Oh. Uh, well, after just playing the game, that's why I'm actually looking forward to this podcast because I only know I just did one playthrough. It took me a few days to do it, and uh, once I actually sat down with it, so I really want to get more of an in-depth look at it. But Andrew Ryan essentially is the guy who decided to create Rapture, from what I can tell, and uh, and yeah, and you get down there and you think that he created this mess that's going on around you because that's what you're being fed through Atlas, which is your only real connection to anybody in Rapture. Um, but I'd like to hear more about Andrew Ryan and maybe why it all went so badly. So uh, mm. He's actually a really fascinating character. Yeah, well, t- talk about him a bit, though. I'd like to hear your thoughts. The, the beauty of Ryan is that 
everything that he's done is is just a reflection of his life up until that point. And there are actually like a few key players into the creation of Rapture, but obviously it all began right. with him. So he was born in Russia at the the end of the the czar's rule, basically, like when the Bolsheviks came in and took over and the eventual birth of communism. So having witnessed all this, he thought that was not right. And so he took off for America because he figured in America, all you need to do to get rich is work. But then, of course, in time, he finds out that Americans are greedy and needy and he doesn't like that idealism either. He's entitled to the, the um, his own brow. <laughs> The political outstance and then, you know, the consumption of religion and so on and so forth. So all throughout this time, he's conceptualizing basically objectivism and the idea that you should only have to look out for number one. And so he conceptualizes rapture, which would be a place with no government, no religion, no politics, basically no laws. And after, you know, starting his own empire in America in becoming filthy rich, he bands together with a bunch of other guys with the same ideals and ultimately, in secret, creates Rapture. That's amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> once he's got it built, he decides the only people that are allowed in Rapture are like the world's elite. He wants the best of the best because he figures only those types of people are going to uphold his ideals and the idea that um, this sweat of your brow, like you're, you're responsible for your own outcome. But as I said before, he obviously didn't read Lord of the Flies because if he had, he would know that no matter what you do, when you bring people together, community forms. And it wasn't long before Rapture actually split into upper and lower classes. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the end for Rapture. Wow. Is, um, his interesting point is that he brought in um, people like Sophia Lamb um, to provide uh, psychiatric help to the, people, to the lower working classes in the uh, in the game in the hopes that she would sort of like calm them down but then she obviously started recruiting them for her own army for Bioshock 2 uh -huh. which is quite a nice thing that they he actually introduced to another of his enemies he seems to do that a lot really <laughs> <laughs> he didn't see the threat in Fontaine either until it was much too late yeah that's the thing and like he like he knows that Fontaine is a bad deal all the way through he is basically just questioning like um was it, it like how healthy is competition sort of thing when it affects Andrew Ryan? Like it's fine if the person down the street loses their job so that somebody else can make a lot of money. But when it affects Andrew Ryan personally, he's like, um, hang on, uh, I, I did build Rapture. I'm going to take away your air now. So, well, he he discovered ultimately that Fontaine was breaking the only real law, mm. which was no outside involvement. Once you're in Rapture, you're in Rapture. End of story. Yeah. He's such a fascinating character, though, isn't he? Just, like, all of those really speeches is. that he yeah. gives are so... He's he's brilliantly charismatic, and it's like Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2, uh, where it's just a great mm. enemy, and you love to hate him, and I was very dis like disappointed to have him killed. I was yeah. like, oh, man. <laughs> That's the part that really just blows my mind, and it's, it's the beauty of replaying Bioshock many times, and also playing Bioshock 2, because you continue to learn about him in that one, but... Mm. As you're like, even the first time I played, as you're approaching him, it it took me anyway a while to realize that he's still piecing it together just like I am. Hmm. You know, I, for some reason, assumed that he knows who I am. He knows I'm being controlled, but he doesn't actually know that until much later in the game. <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of discovering it at the same time. And I'm sitting there wondering, like, why are you letting me kill you? Why don't you just, would you kindly not kill me? Yeah, and it's so like how much the, um, does he know, and like why does he want to die? It's so fascinating. Do you have the and it's like yeah. I really don't know. 
I mean, why he could do a, what? Why he why he kills himself? To a point where, well, sorry, sorry. Why why he gets you yeah, to kill him? Why you get to a yeah. point when you have just a dream. essentially to die on his own terms instead of yeah the you know downfall of I suppose he's, with, uh, I get the feeling that he, well no he's 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 seeing it as a personal war against like because as you were describing before about he dis, his disdain for the like governmental control and the fact that it bad people band together and follow a leader well he was basically just like when he was confronted with Jack who's his own son who he does know from that point and he's so distraught that he doesn't have a lineage to carry on anything in Rapture he basically knows he's going to die either way uh, so either Fontaine's going to send his splices after him or Hephaestus is going to blow up anyway. So he might as well just be like, mm-hmm. right, this is the personification of my battle against the government and being people being told what to do, and I have lost, but I'm going to do it, like you say, on his own terms. A man chooses a slave obeys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, Rapture was his, it was his dream and it was his vision, and at that point he knows he has failed. And Andrew Ryan isn't the type of man who can accept failure. Mm. You know what I mean? But then you've got, to, you've got to think as well, like, maybe his death was, uh, like, a preemptive strike against Fontaine because he's seen the amount of damage that he's done to uh, to Rapture. He's seen the amount of damage that Fontaine's done in the Civil War that was leading up to this. His death and giving it to Fontaine, maybe it is for the best because Fontaine's going to end up destroying himself. Maybe that's the only way, like, a yeah. sort of, like, you can't beat it, so you've got to let it beat you to have it final. Yeah. It's a very, very deep character, very interesting character. And one of uh, mm. one of the better villains of this generation of consoles. <laughs> yeah, mm. maybe he just reappears in the Vita Chamber. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Be, he just walks out. Yeah. He's like, "All right, now that you got yeah. that out of your system. Would you come?" <laughs> he deactivated the Vita Chamber. <laughs> yeah, that's why he couldn't come uh, back. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing on the same difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Andrew Ryan. Huh? Does that answer your questions there? Uh... Yeah, that's fascinating stuff. I think, see, the thing is, as I'm playing the game, I never considered him a villain, is the thing. is I was just wondering if he ever really was. But, I mean, I guess he did some pretty Derek stuff. I think if you tell enough people so. a lie that you know yourself isn't true um, and convince them that moving to this place that is going to be better, that you're going to be entitled to what you earn yourself, that you're not going to be bound by the shackles of the greedy and the power-hungry and the misguided, um, where you won't be tied to religion, and knowing in your head that you're going to need people to clean the toilets. Mm-hmm. You're going to need people to bag the groceries. You know what I mean? He knows mm-hmm. that's a lie, but he feeds it to them anyway and tells them, well, if you work hard enough, you know? But that's you're just describing America. That doesn't make Obama a villain. What are we- What's this podcast about? (laughs) (laughs) The NSA. The NSA. Yeah. I I don't know. I just. He's also collapsing under the weight of war, though. Like, this is essentially. At this point, most of his forces have turned against him or joined the other side. I mean, there's tapes all throughout Rapture of. um, What's her name? Diane McClintock. Mm. I think was his girlfriend. And. she 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 kind of demonstrates how she goes from being his supporter to ultimately joining Fontaine. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think is there any way Rapture could have succeeded or was it doomed to failure regardless of who was in there? In in the book. I know I'm going to keep bringing <laughs> no, this up. He's the book he is, guy. 
But he is he has been he is given so many opportunities to do what we you would consider to be the moralistically the right thing. And he objectively chooses not to do it because it conflicts with the idea of the great chain. And I would say that because of that, you know, that's that's his own that's his own downfall and that's why he's certainly not a perfect human. Like he's yeah, he's yeah. incredibly narcissistic mm-hmm. and stuck in his own world. Yeah. He just wants things to magically work out. The city, I think I'd be pretty mm. egotistical. <laughs> Underwater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a feat. But um, I actually mm-hmm. wouldn't mind hearing about the Great Chains. <laughs> you guys know more about it. Just get that. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, because obviously the Great Chain is he's just saying like this whole thing where if um, when one person pulls the Great Chain moves in that direction and we're all pulled with it sort of mm-hmm. thing. So... He's already describing something as being sunken before he's even, um, uh, before he even sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, materializes his own concept of what the great chain is. He just talks about it like a business right. term, but as it, as he says it more and more and more, yeah. it becomes more of a, like a mantra and a philosophical, uh, philosophical belief. That's what it seems like, he's just like, game, like as I played throughout the game and the more and more people talked about it, it sounded more like a religion than, you know anything else did down there yeah it ultimately is just a political standpoint i mean that's that's ryan's objectivism and if you get into bioshock 2 it's the family's altruism like they're um almost like communists in a way so they're all just kind of adopting from what they know on the surface it was ryan's idea of objectivism that was different at least in theory um totally stole it from Ayn Rand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Andrew Ryan. Um, he's one of the many characters that you'll find in Rapture. And he is not the only one who's exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Frank Fontaine is another one who uh, is a very good character. He's an amazing character. And Lowe's going to tell us about him. What a character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Frankie. <laughs> Frankie, um, <we're> close. <laughs> Frankie's half, uh, half mob boss, half... Uh, Visual How genius. How does he get the invite to Rapture um, when they're only bringing the best and the brightest and mm. Sander Cohen? How does... <laughs> do, you me, do you want me to tell you? It's like, yeah, I'm a businessman. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's basically, if you need backstory, then just ask me and I'll, I'll just quote you the book. <laughs> I'll give you the present. Jay's got the past. <laughs> yeah. So basically, he gets there by... Um, but he takes over a bar at the beginning from another guy in a, in a poker match. Then he uses the bar to listen into to the, um, to the naval people who work on his giant ships that are taking supplies back and forth. He finds out where the ships are headed and what the plan roughly is. And then he murders a boat captain, takes over his fishing supply chain, and then starts delivering fish to uh, Adam, keeps... Adam? Um, Ryan. And then keeps requesting to go down there to join his people. And then finally... Andrew Ryan accepts and lets him down because he's made tons and tons of money ah, for him. Wow. Cool. It's so perfectly him. <laughs> yes, it is, yeah. All right, so tell us more about uh, Frankie as, as we know him in the game, Lo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he finds success basically as a fisherman, sort of like a fisherman boss in, uh, in Rapture, but he also starts a smuggling business, um, bringing things from the surface into Rapture, and that's where he makes most of his money. Uh, most of his success. And also, of course, he's involving other people, including some of Ryan's men, in his business because it's more successful and I guess he pays more, right? And then Rapture's all about the biggest bidder. 
So um, he quickly establishes himself as Ryan's opposite, in a sense, because, as I said, as the classes start to form in Rapture, uh, Fontaine becomes a sort of beacon for the lower class, whereas, of course, Ryan is in charge of the upper class. And so as as the city begins to separate, he becomes a sort of leader of of the rebels, if you will. Um, Mm. And meanwhile, he's in business with Tenenbaum, who is working on this research with the sea slugs and Adam. So the Adam business becomes formed and Fontaine's in charge of this. He's the man in power. And uh, obviously after people become addicted to Adam and, you know, the downfall of society begins, he's still the, you know, that point in this sort of army. And of course, Ryan's taken note of this bar now and done everything he can to shut him down. So Fontaine actually fakes his own death. You mean suffers a horrible death. So as far as <laughs> Ryan's concerned, Fontaine's been eliminated, and Ryan actually takes over Fontaine Futuristics and the whole Atom business and plasmids. Yeah, so he ruins so the name, doesn't he? Calls it Ryan's Plasmids. What an unoriginal <laughs> name. <laughs> Ryan Industries. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, Fontaine, who just happens to be possibly the greatest actor of all time, uh, sort of rebirths himself as Atlas now and becomes the faceless leader of this group of people who are essentially blind at the moment mm-hmm. and ultimately begins the civil war with them. Wow. So, yeah. so he's obviously a uh, a very shrewd businessman and he like the foresight to go to know, okay, there's they're taking supplies, I want to get in there. So I'll start a fishing business, or I'll take over a fishing business, and then to see the potential in the atom to start backing Tenenbaum's research. He's uh, he's a very intelligent man. Now, do you think he was doing it so that Rapture could be the utopia it was supposed to be, or was he doing it because he wanted to be in the seat that Andrew Ryan was in? The like, latter. Yeah, all the way through, he seems to be pushing for this whole concept that he is doing it for the con. He's doing it for the great reveal that he is behind it all and then can finally take over uh, Rapture. But he has no he has no foresight for the end game. He's just like, he'll get there, but once he's there, where the hell does he go? He's He may have got himself a city under the sea, but he's got himself a city under the sea. What, what yeah, does he do with that it? That he's essentially helped tear apart. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, what's the... Like, um, Bill McDonough says that uh, di- Rapture dies the death of a thousand cuts rather than it being destroyed and he's and Fontaine is pretty much the instigator for all of that so he he could yeah so in both ways he can see things he can see what he needs to do to make the next move to to advance himself but he's incapable of seeing the repercussions of what those moves will do yeah I mean from Andrew Ryan's perspective the terminology that he uses is very apt when describing Fontaine because he calls him a parasite, and that is exactly what he's doing. He's taking over the host body, but he does not have the foresight to continue on once that's yeah. done. It's oh, fascinating. See, the thing is, when you play through this game, especially the first time, you enjoy it and you love it, but, but what you know is really only the tip of the iceberg, and hearing all this is mm. it's amazing. Yeah, and a lot, I mean, a lot of this information... Um, is in the the audio diaries that you find laying yeah. around, and I found a ton, and I know mm-hmm. that there's got to be more that I missed. So yeah. I can definitely see why there's a lot of replay value here. Yeah, mm. there's just I mean, there's a lot of really good characters. So many good characters. Yeah, Sandra Cohen is one of my favorites. 
because he's like yeah he's like, <laughs> how funny yeah, how he's, the big, he's the biggest farce because he's not the best of the best right he is, only appears to be good by stealing other people's work <laughs> and, but he's so good at doing that that it looks like he's the best right he was one of Rapture's elite, though. He's part of Ryan's yeah. head yeah. honchos. And he's, uh, which is why that he whole lost. sequence where he's got you hunting down um, <laughs> those five different things, five different people, um, and then mm -hmm. killing them and posing them for him. Uh, it's it's one of the best parts of the game. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I can't remember actually, but does he actually say "Would you kindly" in that to get you to start that fetch quest? I don't know. I believe he does. So he actually knows before Ryan yeah, at that point. He figures it out. Hmm. <laughs> so for a guy who doesn't, who isn't exactly you know, great, because he's blocking your path, he puts his big bunny ears up over the bathosphere, and you can't get through. I can't remember yeah, I'm not now. If he says it or not, you wouldn't have to. You'll, you'll have to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to work for him anyway. But here's the question: with, would you Did you kill him right away? Uh, no, I killed him after he opened the first thing up. After like he opened up the, uh, you got a treasure. It was a plasmid, I believe. And then, and then he's like, yep. "Okay, you can go or whatever." But then I killed him and got the key. I implore you to play the really? game again. Why? What did I miss? If you <laughs> if you don't kill Sander Cohen, you actually get the opportunity to fight him later in his home. Oh. Yeah. And in his he he opens up um, the door to his bedroom, which is decidedly creepy. <laughs> But there's a power to the people machine in there, as well as some cool, other stuff. Cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, and in order to complete the game 100%, if you will, you actually have to let him live. But he's a monster, Lo. I can't I can't do that. <laughs> but he makes Splicer's Wall. Street it's justice. So <laughs> Street justice. <laughs> yeah. He's also apparently proficient in magic, because of all those times you turn around and there's just a paper mache <laughs> splice them right behind you like oh that's that's yeah, normal. Yeah. that's, that's, a, they all that's have a thing masks. yeah yeah another moment uh is there any characters that you found particularly interesting or detestful steven uh big daddies are cool yeah don't you <laughs> we should talk more yeah. about them big daddies oh. little sisters yeah that's, a, that's go ahead why don't you uh actually before we get into that we should mention su chong oh, yeah, yeah. su chong is cool su chong probably my favorite character okay. Really? Yeah. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Su Chong was the doctor who was responsible for most of the advancements in Adam and Plasmid Zectonics and Big Daddies and Little Sisters. Um, he was hired to work with Tenenbaum after she discovered Adam. And he was also retconned to be much more stupider than he <laughs> is. So that's a nice thing that Bioshock Infinite also he ruined. He has Thanks. one of the yeah. most fantastic... Uh, deaths via the diaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, he wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. <laughs> um, yeah, I think bombers. his 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 claim to fame is actually he was responsible for the mental conditioning of Jack. Yeah. Mm. So he, he also didn't he help the gene banks as well. Did he help build the gene banks? Is that his creation as well? Ta well, yeah, part of um, uh, the yeah, Adam him business, and right? Tenenbaum. Mm. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure if um, Bridget did the the plasmas and he was on the gene side. Oh, maybe. I'm sure that they did. Wasn't he her assistant? No, he didn't take orders from her. No, they were... He does he's... in third person, though. Yeah. Anyone who does that, instant hero. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So what makes him your favorite? Why is he? He's, oh, he's just so interesting. Like, is it because you love big daddies? <laughs> he's responsible. See, the thing is, like, when you talk to anybody about Bioshock, virtually nobody mentions him. True. Yeah. True. But he's so integral to the story. He's responsible for everything. It's his blasé attitude to it all that I find brilliant. When he's just, like, confronting... When he demonstrates to Andrew Ryan one of his experiments, it's like, this person can shoot lightning from their hands. This mm-hmm. person can shoot fire. This person actually exploded under what the conditions we put him in. But don't worry about that. And it's just <laughs> like, everyone's like, hmm, that's Casual quite, side that's, effect. That's quite grim. He, he's like, actually, like, the perfect personification of Ryan's ideals. Because mm. he's just... He works for the highest yeah. bidder, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's an interesting deal. But, I mean, you, have you, I take it you played the Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea DLC. I didn't touch the I DLC. <sighs> it's really annoying because they basically, they go back to Rapture in it, and they not just imply, they explicitly state that using the power of tears, uh, Fink and Sushong work together to create yeah. the Big Daddy, and that fucking pissed me off because that implies then that Fink, an absolute dickhole that cannot come up with an original idea to save his life, actually helped Sushong create one of the best enemies in Bioshock history. The Big Daddies. I've just brought it back round. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well oh, I might yeah. disagree with you, though, because I don't think the Big Daddies are enemies. Hmm. Whoa! You... What a twist. <laughs> uh, Go on, then. Expand Well, on the Big bit. Daddies are essentially, for anybody who is unaware or not sure what we're talking about, Although at this point, I'm not sure why you're still listening. So the big daddies follow around these little sisters. The little sisters harvest the atom from the corpses of the splicers so that they can reuse it. And the big daddy is their protector. Um, So his job isn't there to defend Rapture, and it's not to fight off Rapture's enemies. It's to protect that one small child. And unless you in some way threaten her, he or himself... Like yeah, that's right. They will leave you alone. Um, and that's a great example because in his, as he was de- making them, he was trying to find a way to, to get the big daddies and the little sisters to have a bond. And he was like, I can't get them to, to care. And then he smacked one of the little sisters and uh, the big daddy took offense to that. <laughs> and now he's laying on a table with a drill in his <laughs> that's body. That's correct. But the big, like, those big daddies, that they're almost, they're very similar actually to the Colossus or the Colossi from the last game that we played Shadow of the Colossus because those weren't enemies either. They're just, they're there. They're part of Rapture and we take it upon ourselves to attack them. I think there's only two or three situations when you have to fight a big daddy. And the other ones, you can just leave them alone and let them continue protecting the little girl. So, I mean, in order for in order for me to classify them as an enemy, I think they need to be hostile towards me without provocation. And they don't have that. That's why I don't consider the Big Daddies as, as enemies. Because, yes, it is someone you have to fight, and yes, it is something you have to overcome, but I shouldn't say have to. You choose to. Mm-hmm. You make that choice. So, man and chooses. a man chooses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I concur. It's a, it's a personification then, really, they, because they are so abstract from the humans they once were. They are just... a objects not objects the barriers yeah. to entry for getting the little sisters yeah. as it were so it's like i agree i think that they're not enemies as such 
They do smack you about if you do get close to them. Oh my goodness, do they ever put a hurting on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I remember, it's like my favourite experiences. I knew that it, apparently it really pissed people off fighting the big daddies, but I never really understood why. Because I used to love it. I would set up tons of traps and like get tons of the um, like ammo all lined up so I know that I'm ready. As soon as he walks over that tripwire, it's go time, baby. <laughs> come on, bring it on, bring it on. I'm like psyching myself up in the corner, and I'm just imagining Jack just sitting there just like, come on, game face on, buddy, you can do this. <laughs> well, because, I mean, really... Just their even their appearance. They they look like a monster. They look like they are the villain, and they're on the cover of the game. So like everything is pointing to this is your enemy. And if I was in a place like Rapture, if I was any, if I was in the street washing my car, and I saw somebody approach me dressed like that, um, you know, making those deep sorrowful moans, I would just. I don't know what it would. I, it would be. I'd probably shit my pants. <laughs> Oh, you get used to it. Like, I to... <laughs> like, you, like you just said about the um, the front cover, though, being Barshuk, that's a great... They have managed to encapsulate what most other game developers fail to do, which is if you're going to sell a game using an image, then you need to make the image a core representation of your gameplay. And I would say that meeting a big daddy and inter- interacting with it is Bioshock's one the core gameplay around it, because I, I have not experienced that dynamic between a little sister risk-reward thing in that way done done that way before. No, in anything, in any game at all. Mm. And then given that choice, you know, because it's, it's such a hard-fought battle. Anytime you beat a big daddy, you know you, you just did 12 rounds, you know? Yeah. With uh, King Hippo, not Mike Tyson. You, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. lost that fight. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you beat that big daddy, and then you've got this, you're holding this little girl in your hand, and you know that you can either take your reward that you just earned by destroying what has been, up to this point, the hardest fight, or you can free her and let her go, and it's a. I mean, if if the, if the imagery had been anything other than a little girl, I think it would have been a lot easier to sacrifice them uh, mm. because of the fact that it is it's a child. It's worth noting, like the those concepts in the Bioshock world went through many different stages before it became what it is. Mm. And it's when you when you read about that, when you learn about that, and all the different ideas they had, it's like thank God they landed on this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because they had that whole thing where they were going to put in the um, the little brothers, didn't they? And they were going to have like a cut section, which was uh, the little brothers play area. But it was like tons of these like hermetically sealed medic tents so that they couldn't get out. And there's tons of blood on the inside of them. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. Don't get me wrong. But I'm glad that we didn't have the little boys and girls around. I think that they took a decision to make it just little girls and it paid off. Yeah, big time. Big time. I, uh, yeah. I just... I couldn't do it that for that first time even seeing like even knowing that um this slug is inside her you know i can save mm. her and it like when you when you save them you remove the slug from them correct am i yeah. wrong in that because they don't yeah, look they don't look like keith richards anymore <laughs> i think that they <laughs> die when you do that yeah that's what pisses tenenbaum off so much uh yeah another interesting character yes she is. She's she's very confused because she's created the little sisters, and she loves them like a mother. But that was a development, though. Yeah. So the thing about Tenenbaum is she was the neutral party for the longest time. I mean, she she went into business with Fontaine because he was the only one that would fund her, and then ultimately ended up working for Ryan because he took over, mm. and then she left entirely and came up with her own. Yeah. Uh, 
end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, 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 she gave it up altogether and changed her mind about things. But there's a, there's a point in the game, um, I guess after she rescues you or somewhere in that area, Fontaine pops up and he actually says, oh, you're putting all your eggs in this basket now. And he, I think he makes the point of, you know, she survived World War II without a scratch. Yeah. And now she's here and she survived this without a scratch. Don't you think she's up to something? Mm. And you're stuck going, crap, did I just get into bed with the wrong person? She's a survivor. She does what it takes to get by. Because she was in a concentration camp, wasn't she? And she started working with the she Nazis. Was. Yeah. She was like, listen, I'm useful. I can do stuff. She started, um, she started experimenting on some of the people there to try and do perfect their Nazi super serum, yeah. as it were. So she was basically working on this whole idea of making the ultimate human form way before she went to Rapture. But Rapture gave her the sort of the end to that means. Yeah. And it's quite disturbing when you think that there is a big gap between the end of the Second World War and when Rapture, we kick off in Rapture, and that is her goal since those two points. So she's been living in normal society thinking that she wants to carry on this experiment. There's something definitely rot right with her. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it wasn't, she, at that point, it wasn't the, just um, survival. Holy it's shit, like putting it? a puzzle together. You don't want to stop yeah. halfway. <laughs> she, was, she was probably like uh, the person behind all of those um, Black Dahlia murder things. <laughs> yeah, really. That would have been such a good twist for L.A. Noir. <laughs> was that 2K? <laughs> it was, uh... Rock, rock no, star. Rockstar. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's most of the characters um, that are in the game, except for one that I... The only, the, only other, the only other character that I think should be mentioned, and it could be up for debate on whether or not it is a character, is Rapture itself. Um, for me, the way that Rapture was was the first time I'd experienced in a game where the environment that you were in felt like it was real and it felt like its own living, breathing entity. Um, from the moment that you get off of the bathysphere, you know, the music and the look and how sound plays such a big part of this game because if you just listen, you can get hints of what's coming and you need it in some cases. So I, I think Rapture itself, they did an amazing job in making Rapture seem like, you know, this, it was almost like I was watching a documentary on a place called Rapture. It was yeah. that realistic for me. It's like think... the the art decor inside it. It's the hardest thing for a game developer is that real life, unfortunately, we do live in corridors and we live in boxes. And it's hard to make that sort of an uh, an approachable thing for a player. But Rapture managed to do it because it had style, and it's the way that the art decor, the amazing posters, and the like lavish areas of like uh, all of the fine woods and the um, the sort of heated colours to it, and then contrast that with these super frigid seas and the outside of the buildings looking like sort of Rockefeller towers and things like that. It just oozed style from every place, really. Yeah. And it draws greatly from reality. I mean, I think one of the, the most outstanding features about Bioshock in general is that really not a lot is fictionalized it's all mm. either based on reality or um a fictional follow-through of a real concept yeah it's the like the end of the sea 
<laughs> well, it's like it's like you, if you go to um, like Sigmund Freud's idea of the uncanny, like why are things certain things um, like verging on the horrific, and it's because it's something that's been taken from the norm and moved slightly, not to a huge extreme, but just moved slightly, and it makes us feel uncomfortable. And what Lois just expressed is that that's what Bioshock gets across: is that it's something that we could believe, but it's uh, just wrong, just wrong enough that we know that something is going to be. Is something horrific is about to happen. Just a little bit of skew. Yeah. What about you, Player Two? Uh, your first visit, visit to Rapture. Why don't you tell us how you felt? Because well, I know you hated it at first. I did. I, the, Save that for gameplay. The Should I sing is... Bobby Darren songs? Would that make it better? The game... <laughs> See, the game... That is the problem, though, is I, I couldn't enjoy Rapture. I couldn't experience Rapture because I wasn't interacting with the game the way it needed to be interacted with. I wished I was watching a movie or even reading a book um, rather than trying to clunky, clunkily get my way through this, you know, what ended up being an amazing atmospheric city. And uh, once I got my head around the controls and, uh, and was able to actually look around, Rapture is an amazing place. And it, it almost makes you think, is it possible? Like, could this happen? Like, could this really be a place? Is and, it happening now? Right, we yeah. don't know. It could be. Wasn't and, someone actually thing to do in that in real life? But that was in the news a while ago. I don't know. That would be fantastic. But yeah, yeah. And, and that's the kind of the, the beauty of this is the whole time you're thinking this could possibly be yeah. you know, something that could happen. And I don't know. It was amazing. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed Rapture as a... As a See, I had a sort of the opposite experience when I picked it up for the first time because, like you guys, I'm, I'm not a big fan of first-person games, period. Mm-hmm. But um, as I said, when I saw just the promos for this game, and I thought, I just have to have it. And um, my first experience with it was, and this is a sort of a testament to what P said, P1 said about it being a character, is I think in Bioshock you spend as much time trying to figure out what happened to the city as you do the characters and following through with the story itself. But so much of the enjoyment of the game is just looking around and listening to the tapes and finding out what happened and unfolding its own story. I feel like the actual gameplay in Bioshock is not that enjoyable at all. My favorite part of Bioshock was exactly what you said, was learning about the city, learning about the characters. Because mm. I really am not a fan of first-person shooters, and and essentially that's what the gameplay is here is first-person shooter. But the actual rapture is what made it amazing. But that's yeah, that's just me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you guys ever played Riven? No. Is that in the Mist nope. franchise? Yeah, second uh, Mist game. Because it kind of felt a lot like that. There's a lot of underwater moments in that as well. A lot of that same sort of like polished brass. And wood and that kind of feel to it. That's yeah. kind of how I felt with the the Bioshock and uh, with Rapture, especially with those. They have a lot of darkness in this Rapture. Yeah. Now, do we are we to believe that originally it would have been a lot brighter? Maybe splicer nuttiness. Just they're like, hey, let's break a bunch of a uh, bunch of lights, and just make it darker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, it's it's quite possible that they were so. Um, distraught over their own appearance and how they instead of looking perfect they ended up looking like monsters that maybe they didn't want to see it themselves because yeah. with all the glass around you would catch your reflection in all the <laughs> it just you makes know. me wonder because uh, uh our local museum actually has uh an area where you're basically walking through like an old town old time town and it also has that same kind of feel like the cobbled roads and a lot of darkness like dark alleys and that sort of thing 
So I kind of noticed that a lot in the game. It's very neat, very atmospheric, which kind of brings back uh, to what you were saying earlier about how the game is almost a borderline survival horror game. Yeah. Mm. I was just thinking when you were saying that the, the game actually controls a bit too well to be a survival horror game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Not yeah. enough tank control. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. rule number one, isn't it? If you're gonna, you need to feel as unempowered as possible right. for it to be yeah. scary. But I still maintain that there are elements in this that do that, that they've done a better job at creating horror aspects than fucking Resident Evil's done in the last 12 years. Fact. Well, recently, there are moments it. just Sorry. from the atmosphere alone and then the way they use sound and light that it mm. spooks you. But there's one moment in particular that just sprung to mind. I think it's the first time you see a Houdini splicer. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're running around that area with all the foliage and the... Yeah. I think it's supposed to be a park or something. Yeah, yeah, and, they're like and uh, at you. you find this desk, and I think there's maybe a gun or some ammo on the desk. So you run up to the desk and you fetch all your stuff. And I just happened to shift my gaze downward. I don't know why, but I did. And I spun around, and there's a pair of feet there. <laughs> and you scroll up, and he laughs at you, and he disappears. And I just went, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that and that, you know what? There are moments in this game that are scary moments. They're, like, there's creepy moments. There's a couple of jump scares, not too many, but there are times, like, even sometimes just that one in particular, I love that one, because he's, like, running around, the room is like a box, and he's, like, running around the box, you don't know what's going on, it's the first time you'd seen them, but uh, mm. there are, like, there are times when you just walk into a room, and you just look, just looking at the room, you can tell something terrible happened here, yeah. Yeah. and it's just like, oh, man, like, you almost expect Pyramid Head, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm glad that they didn't rely on jump scares because jump scares are obviously they're not fear you're not no. you're not you're not fearful of the situation you're just you're just uh, sho- shocked yeah and yeah. so like to go for the going back to sound how are they using sound and things like that i remember going into the medical pavilion and going around a corner it's like a half flooded hallway and then there's a raised spot with a gurney on it and there's a shadow you can see the lights flickering yeah. of this guy stabbing a body and it's yeah. like, okay, cool, right, so there's a dangerous situation and I'm actively choosing to walk towards it because I know <laughs> I have to. So when you walk through to it and then, then there's nothing there, that's yeah. like, oh, right. And then it's you hear it, the sound of the footsteps in the water behind you, and I'm yeah. like, yes, this is a good, fearful situation because yeah. I've just shed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> when you get the yeah, spider splicers and they, they disappear into the shadows up in the ceiling and you're like, crap, you- that's going to come back to bite <laughs> yeah. me. And you yeah. can just hear that little clinking noise that's like, bing, 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 bing. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, there are some definite parts of this game that are very creative. It's, it's kind of, it almost depresses me because I don't think they set out for it to be a horror game. I think mm. it was just a byproduct of the environment you were in and how well they put together Rapture with the splicers and the story. And I think that it's really sad that games that try to be scary now can't achieve the same level that this has like True. I like you, you mentioned Resident Evil there Jay mm. and I can't remember the last time I played a Resident Evil and was even remotely even not even creeped out just like had an, a sense of unease and like in like, I, I'm, I'm holding down the run button for most of those games but yeah. in Rapture I actually find myself walking you know and it's mm. it's partially because I want to I want to look at the walls and the paintings and the floor, and I want to see everything around me because it's so beautiful. And mm. it's partially because if you if you take your time, you might hear that snippet of a conversation that lets you know what's up around the corner. You might see, like you mentioned, a flicker of a shadow on a wall. Yeah, you know, and that it's almost like you're building 
the sense of dread in yourself yeah. as the game is just and, and the game's not doing it to you. Mm-hmm. It just happens because of this is how the game is. Sure. You know, they don't say take your time, slow down and, you know, be be nervous, but it happens because of the way the game is laid out. So it it almost like creates its own yeah. entity. It's right. It's, it's really well done. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Like I remember opening up a door and just the ground shaking, you hear footsteps. You know there's a big daddy out there and you're thinking, I gotta look out this corner. I gotta look around here. <laughs> Is he gonna be right there though? I don't know. And it's yeah. just those moments. Yeah. That... And that big daddy's thinking, that door just opened by itself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. I hope it's not a splicer. They're actually, they're indifferent to you because if you if you ever watch one when he goes to the vent and he pounds on the vent to call the little sister, yeah. he actually stops and looks around first. And in spite of the fact that I'm right there with my shotgun pointed at his face, <laughs> he true. still calls the little sister. It's, yeah. See, it's because you're not a splicer. Like where I mentioned before how they they look at you as the outsider. You don't look like a threat. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? He knows that the splicers are going to attack the little girls. Or the little sisters, sorry. Yeah. Um, so he, I think he's looking for them. And when they're not there, he doesn't feel a threat. That's There's another also, thing yeah. that we can bring up is how they interact with each other. All these characters and you'll see them go after the big daddies or the little yeah. sisters in this case and uh, and seeing them fight and hearing them argue with each other is it's pretty pretty impressive yeah how many other games have it where the two enemies you're supposed to be fighting or the two the two characters you're you're fighting decide to fight each other instead right yeah you know? well, it's all a struggle for adam all right yeah. Yeah, that's the thing it's just it's beautiful <laughs> everybody needs that adam yeah there was a lovely moment in uh, quite early on in one of my playthroughs where it's again in the medical pavilion and, and you're walking this sort of like big this sort of courtyarded area and there's three little buildings around the side of it and it's Big Daddy stomping through and one of these leadhead uh, splicers is walking just minding his own business walking around the corner and it bumps into the little sister and the little sister says something like get him get him like that because I think it like counted it as like a hit. And the big daddy, and I just remember the splicer was just sort of like, "Come on, then you tin fuck like that," and just like, and then it just all kicked off, and then the security <laughs> turret was there, just shooting at them as well. And I was like, "Wow, I did nothing," and I just sat back and I was just watching it. That's Beautiful. awesome. That's fantastic. That's yeah. A, yeah. Like I love it. It's almost they. It's like it's almost like the guys at Two K managed to make the perfect AI for this yeah. game. Like each and the game. It wasn't one game. They made a splicer game, and they made mm. a Big Daddy game, and a Little Sister game, and they made a rap like they made Rapture as a city. And it wasn't each individual piece was its own piece. It wasn't all one big piece, mm. and it was they Whether just happened to be inhabiting the same. Yeah. Ha- you know, yeah. Here's a question: If I'm not playing, are the splicers right. still walking that's around? The question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and that's the thing. It gives you the impression that. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not. Yeah. This is happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, Rapture's fate is Rapture's fate, regardless right. of what I do. Right. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. So that's the characters and the story of Rapture. Yeah. And the city under the sea. Yeah. Now let's get into the actual gameplay let's mechanics. Let's talk about the gameplay <laughs> mechanics. Yeah. So it is, as we've mentioned, a first-person view game. So it is a game. You've got, uh, it is a game, yeah. Believe <laughs> it or not. Game. It's more yeah. than a game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's first-person view. So obviously you're walking around with your hands somewhere... Up around your face because it's how all of us walk. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my arms perpetually raised, which is my biggest problem with first-person games. It's because uh, you said built. It's because you said built up top. You just, like, that's what it guns. is. Yeah, <laughs> I just assume it's because I'm wearing such a large backpack around my midsection to carry all my weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you have plasmids, which uh, take the form of your spells per se, or your elemental attacks in one hand, and you have. Uh, 
uh, firearms and wrenches in another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can only use one at a time. Now, I, I don't play a lot of first-person games, so I don't know if that's normal or not. Um, <laughs> but uh, any of you guys who do, like, is that... How, how, do, how do the gameplay mechanics stack up against other first-person games? I don't think a lot of first-person games combine firearms and magic. True. And that's okay. something that's kind of unique to this game. Um, but I think typically, I mean, obviously you'll have your gun and one button will be to trigger your ammo and yada yada. But then if you have like grenades and things like that too, it's a separate command. Mm. Okay. But that's about all I know. I kept trying to shoot <laughs> off the screen to reload. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say that in terms of how it plays, it's it's a very standard shooter. I'd say that the gameplay itself, the actual mechanics, the core mechanics of shooting, running, and gunning, they are probably the weakest part of the game. And that's I'm not saying that's, that as a criticism, I'm just saying it's, it's not the, the thing you're playing it for. Right. And unfortunately, as Ken Levine said in many like, interviews, Bioshock is... Bioshock 1, 2, and 3 are not the games that he originally wanted to make. It started off that he pitched the idea to Microsoft, and they said, yep, cool, make it a shooter. And he's like, I thought I was originally going to try and make a point-and-click game. And then from that, um, afterwards, they said, no, you've got to make it a shooter. Then when Bioshock 2 came out after the success of the first one, he was like, can I please make it my way now? And they said, nah, you've already put in the um, mechanics now, so people won't know what it is if you change it. And then it got to Infinity, he goes, right, I'm putting my foot down, I'm definitely having it my way now. And they were like, nah, nah. <laughs> so he still never got to make add it. add a shield. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also a pseudo-questionably annoying sidekick. But <laughs> so, Disney princess. Yeah, Disney princess. <laughs> um, for whatever it's worth, like, I, I, I don't participate in first-person games much, but I find the controls and the mechanics of Bioshock relatively easy to pick up. Yeah, it's not cool. too finicky. It's there's not a lot like the only thing that's really kind of tricky is learning to go from plasmid to weapon in enough time to actually execute your your plan as opposed to mm. you know uh, at, at the early game I think Atlas tells you just hit him with the electro bolt and then hit him with the wrench. Yeah. And it's like, that's great, but when I'm being swarmed by five or six splicers, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Not so to mention it exactly against a big daddy. It's like, excuse me, uh, please, guys, I'm trying to inject myself over here. Give me some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably a good thing for it that the the first, I guess, as far as if, if the, the first-person controls are generic and basic enough that people that don't play first-person games can get it. Um, and this, the story and the the actual events are interesting enough that people that were hoping for a straight-up shooter could probably overlook the fact that the controls are more simplistic than they're what they're used to. Because mm. it was really good. And then they shoehorned multiplayer into Bioshock 2. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I liked Bioshock 2's multiplayer. I took it, I took it, no, I took it as a totally separate experience, right? And yeah. it was made well. And it had some really interesting little bits and bobs in it, like the new um, plasmids and how to use them against other people. It was fun. It was pretty good. That's just my yeah. opinion. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I haven't played it. <laughs> I hated Bioshock 2. I, uh, Why? I Why do people hate Bioshock 2? I get that the story wasn't as good and that Pipe Dream Simulator wasn't the game that everyone wanted, but come on, it wasn't that bad. I'd, I... say, I'd say that Bioshock Infinite is worse than Bioshock 2. Yeah. I didn't even... <laughs> I, I loved... And I'm sure we'll get to it when we do the overall, but 
I was such a big fan of the first one. So much so that it's a first-person game, and it's on our podcast <laughs> to force myself to replay it <laughs> when I vehemently hate first-person games. Um, and Bioshock 2 was such a disappointment for me that I didn't even buy Infinite. Mm. And I will probably never play. You didn't miss anything. I, no you didn't, you... <laughs> I would I would say Bioshock Two warrants at least one playthrough, especially if you enjoyed the first. Because like while its own standalone story is lacking, and it's you know the the whole taking command of Rapture thing is completely regurgitated. But um, you get to explore different parts of Rapture, and you get a whole new set of tapes, many of which are from or about Fontaine and Ryan and so on. So you, 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 it's an expansion of what you've already gathered in the first game. Mm. Maybe I'll try it again. Yep. It's one of the things, yeah, if, if, you pl- if you played it, sort of like if you finished Bioshock 1 and then started Bioshock 2, like, just straight away... It was like the next day. They continue. They continue. The sort of things will be so fresh in your mind that it's going to be hard to see them as two separate objects, really. And yeah, I mean, did we need to return to Rapture again? I don't know. Did we need to return to Rapture a third time in Infinite DLC? (laughs) Definitely fucking not. But but still, we went back, and Rapture is still cool. It's always going to be cool. When does that take place? When does the Infinite DLC take place? Is that before Bioshock <laughs> One, after Bioshock One, during? It's... Oh, it's it takes place. Ju- it takes place just before Bioshock One kicks off, and oh, okay. so it ends as Bioshock One begins, and it retcons so much that it makes me very unhappy to think about it. <laughs> it it it's employing this whole theory of tears and quantum physics that's introduced in Infinite. But it's so poorly done in Infinite that you just can't get behind it. They can't keep hiding behind the one-line constants and variables. They they can't. They can't do it. (laughs) I think that it's just going to be a a, a new podcast where we just basically cry over how bad that game was. (laughs) (laughs) You and I can get together and cry, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Um, As far as difficulty, uh, how did you find... It's like your first ever first-person game. Wow. Outside of Oblivion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how did you find Because I know you were really struggling with the controls early on, almost to the the point when you you wanted the player won the game and not finish it. uh, Yeah. (laughs) The problem is the the controls aren't incredibly difficult. It's you want to enjoy Rapture, and unless you're already fluent with first-person controls, you're going to have to take the time to, to get used to it. And I, because I was trying to focus so hard on the controls, I wasn't enjoying Rapture like I wanted to. But after, you know, you give it an hour or so and you get used to it, you know, I mean, it becomes second nature. But, yeah. so Because you're so good at games. And, and the game itself isn't difficult at all. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy. But, um, but, yeah, once you get past that, the problem with Bioshock is, and this is my problem with most first-person shooter games, is... The, the gameplay mechanics are not enjoyable. I'm not interacting with the game in an enjoyable way. And uh, and if I could just listen to the stories and, 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 and watch the game itself... Yeah, I dude, play I Riven. Would... That's exactly what you'll get. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as long as it has a great story, I think I would enjoy it more as a, as a movie, this in particular, um, or as some other way to interact with the game. But mm. uh, for what it was, it was in, enjoyable, and, and I love... Bioshock as an experience, but not so much as a game. 
but that's that's me. Yeah. I think the only way you can justify if you enjoyed Bioshock's core cool game mechanics of the FPS is by thinking that it's actually part of a meta narrative. And I realise how preposterous that's sounding now saying <laughs> it, but saying that Jack is a tool of war and therefore he is allowed to shoot people. That is the only way that we can see that that is the justification right. for having that. But right. it's clearly just done because it was that's the lowest common denominator of game sales. And I'm sorry, people out there who love modern warfare, you know, I play the games, whatever, but FPSs are ten a penny and they're done that way because they know it's easily accessible to everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't afraid to take the risk. I mean, what? but then what game would Bioshock have been if it wasn't? That's actually a harder question to think of because wow, if it was a point-and-click adventure of you walking around, then it would have to show more than it tells because with the audio diaries, you get a lot of... A lot of exposition thrown at you with those audio yeah. diaries. And sometimes I would have liked to have seen a bit more because it's all well and good being told a story and coming up with the imagination behind it. But You get those flashbacks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. That's that's a good way of, of showing it. But I just feel like, you know, when you're talking about... Um, uh, what's his name? We were talking about Sushong earlier. I'm not saying that I needed to see his death because I think that it was good to happen on an audio diary and then happen off screen. But I would have liked to have seen evidence of his other works going on if that makes sense yeah. i think I like it does a little did. bit of that mm. i mean you're when you're initially running around collecting these tapes you're you're meeting these people mm. that are you know integral to rapture's either climb or collapse but then you often meet them later like most of the bosses are the guys that were ryan's right hands you know yeah Right. I think that they uh, again. This is a book guy comment. <laughs> the, um, in the book, they Andrew Ryan has a scene where uh, he says to the people, "I've handed out everyone with an audio diary, and I want you to record your most intimate thoughts uh, for posterity because I want to um, uh, to to document the great climb of rapture." And it's kind of like that statement when read aloud is incredibly stupid and very yeah. forced and you realize that it is just uh, he's just justified a collectibles marathon yeah and right. could they have worked that in better like it's always the classic um uh cinematic convention you show you don't tell that's just how yeah. you meant to do it but they're probably hey, worried people just won or run right through a lot of those uh possible yeah. tells and I mean, it's completely possible to miss some of the um, the audio diaries that are essential to understanding the ending. Like, if you didn't pick up uh, the Jasmine Jolene um, audio diary in which she explains that she sold her fetus to uh, to Tenenbaum, uh, then you wouldn't know that Jack is actually his son because it's not actually explained up outside of that. It's hinted at, but it's never actually explicitly explained. Until the yeah, end, yeah. when she says, "Your father, this, your yeah, father, yeah, that. yeah," and it's and imagine what that must have been like—a shock to those players who didn't do that. You'd be like, "What? What? He's my father now?" Like, I mean, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I know I've said a couple of times now that I only ever saved the little sisters. P mm-hmm. two. I did the same. Yeah. Saved them all. Couldn't get them. No. Yeah. Because they remind you of my daughter. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I should really start making her wear all that eye makeup. <laughs> well, you have her Halloween costume. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Good point. Um, what about yourself, Stephen? Are you a saver or a sacrificer? Yes, yeah, save. Never really saw the the reason to do otherwise. Yeah, low. I've done both for the sake of seeing what it turns out. 
Um, this time I saved. I find the ending you get from saving is infinitely more entertaining. So, okay, and yeah, I did both as well. But the um, the one way one way you save them all is obviously the one that's canon, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. But now I want to hear what happens with the endings. Yep. Um, knowing that you both have played through both ways, that's so, what YouTube's um, good for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you want to actually you... see it, then yeah, you can hit up YouTube. But essentially, if you save all the little sisters. Um, I know after... that one. That's boring. Tell us what happens if you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the bad ending's pretty cool, actually. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. It's like yeah. when you, if you yeah, Steve, you tell it. We surface. Yeah. Like it's what? just kind of hard to believe. You know, I don't know because I mean, obviously, the decision is a reflection of the player themselves. Mm. So for me, watching the bad endings is kind of like that would never happen. Yeah, because it's but like you've been. I guess it just means I could never take over the world. Yeah. yeah. So what happens in it? Like I don't. I don't know. You become the new big oh, boss. So, yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the game, the the last thing you see is the little sister hands you the key to the city, Ooh. right? So she's essentially yeah. giving you rapture, and right. then based on what you've done decides what you do after the game so you know if you if you save them you go back to the surface with the sisters yada yada yada, they all live happily after after if you don't um what happens is you know she hands you the key and you end up just assaulting her the little sister and tenenbaum chimes in with this whole speech about how you're a brute and a terrible person and uh you're seeing visuals of the bathosphere is coming to the surface and surrounding mm-hmm. the submarine with, you know, probably the American army or something, and you attack them with splicers. And so it's implying that you are going to bring the atom addiction to the surface and take over the world. Don't they uh, grab, like, an atom bomb or something to that extent from the submarine? And so yeah, now they're a nuclear, nuclear power? Weapon. Yeah. That's pretty so basically, cool. I got, like, oh, irony of ironies. So instead of bringing the little sisters up who symbolize hope and. Yeah, you take your you superpowered know, army goodness, to the surface. You take the splicers up. Yeah. That's really. That's cool. Well, There's this okay, one yeah, that jumps is... really high out of one of the bathrooms. It's like. Bleh! Yeah, it's just like. That's pretty cool. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It is cool. But. That's pretty cool. <laughs> why? Why are there so? There's such paradigms. Why are they so far apart from each other? It's like, like you said, Lowe. It's like, oh, I've saved some of the little sisters, but I didn't save all of them because you know I was a bit tired and I needed a bit of an Adam pickup. But then it's like, why does that suddenly make me mob boss of like the mutant army? Like, well, that, that's couldn't, the couldn't, interesting point. Is like you you can have three possible outcomes. You can either save all of the little sisters, kill all of the little sisters, or mix. Mm. And the difference is. If you kill them all, Tenenbaum just hates you. Yeah, she's, she, she's angry and she goes after you. And if you if you mix, she's more just sad. But that's and she's thing, like, I... well, this was an unfortunate outcome. And it, it's... Uh, they've missed that... an opportunity to do something really cool yeah. there. Maybe they like ran out neutral... of development time. Yeah. A neutral ending could be that it's just like Tenenbaum's doing the narration where she basically just says you're a tool, like in many senses of the word. And then it's just you escaping, but dooming everyone else down there to whatever the fuck they want to get up to. That seems like a more sort of like logical thing. If you're out for numero uno, and then it's like you are, again, come out the other side of it, the epitome of Rapture's philosophy, look out for number one. Yeah, right, that's right. That's a really good point, yeah. Sorry, guys, I'm just going to write that down, send that over to Ken Levine. (laughs) 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 We're We're infinite. (laughs) Dear Kenny Boy, seeing as you're fantabulous at uh, retconning your own series, please see it to this. 
Yeah, yeah. Why not? When they release Bioshock Definite. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I know. It's a picture of me on the, front, on the front just looking really stern, like, this is the right fucking version. <laughs> yeah. That picture can it's be Bioshock, which is a picture of Jay on the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I mean, we've got sound here to talk about, which we've already done, graphics, which we've already done. Um, if anybody feels the need to visit either one or revisit either one of those topics, uh, we could talk about plasmids, what your favorites are. Or... Did it bother anybody that, I, I maybe, I don't know if it's the same on all systems, but in the, the Xbox version of the game, the audio is very unrealistic. By which I mean, you can be hearing um, a splicer talking but it'll turn out they're behind a wall in the next room. Yeah. Oh, really? It's like you've oh. apparently had a plasmid which is super hearing, but it's also yeah. really direct. Like, um, you're basically a boy of silence, aren't you? You're just sort of like, I can only hear in this specific vicinity. <laughs> but it drove me nuts because I'd be, I'd be exploring something and thinking, I'm going to get hit soon. Like, I can hear him. He's here. He's going to pop up and shoot me. <laughs> but he's not. He's like in a completely different section, but I can still hear him babbling on. Could be oh, echoes. Wow. Yeah, no, I found oh, with the PlayStation 3, uh, <laughs> That's the hallways. The PS3, the sound was, like, spot on. It would be directional. You you could yeah. tell if things were close or far away. It was really, really well done. Hell it's weird yeah. that the Xbox would be inferior. Because there, there, <laughs> there, there, there were many times when I actually had the same experience where I'd hear a spice talking and be like, fuck, he is, like, right around the corner, and I have got no ammo. You walk around there and be like, nothing there, and it's like, is the game trying to be atmospheric, or is it broken? Like, pick, pick one. It, I noticed it with the Big Daddies, too. Like, if you turn Rumble on, you like, your, your controller will rumble, and when they stomp, which obviously, you know, shakes the whole room, but yeah, right. there were times where I'm like, oh, finally, the Big Daddy showed up, and I'm trying to find him, but he's just yeah. nowhere to be seen, <laughs> in spite of the fact that I can hear him and feel him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what though some of the voice actors that they got to do the actual splices they were Mwah, bellissimo oh, so yeah. good Jesus loves me <laughs> this I know oh, good. And, it's, and it's like so like they probably only they probably needed a lot more audio than they actually had in the game because it does recycle quite often but it's just so funny when you hear like the housemates like Harold <laughs> the bills are made again <laughs> There was that one, there's a couple of splicers that you meet earlier in the game, and they're actually, like, I, I assume a husband and wife arguing about oh, yeah. cleaning the kitchen or something. Yeah. And you have to approach them, and you kill the guy, and then the wife comes out, and she's like, Henry? Yeah. Looking yeah. for him, because she was just screaming at him, and now he's disappeared. And they, they're, like, classic, like, 1960s voices as well. Yeah. They've managed to encapsulate that so well. Like, the original splicer woman, just that voice. So good. Loved it. So good. Good time. Did you guys find the just? It's kind of confusing the way they did, designed the actual raptor, or uh, rapture rather. Just the way it's, uh, I don't know, almost, almost feels like a submarine. I guess that's kind of the point, but it never mm, really yeah. feels like how a city you'd expect it to be designed. Yeah, you've like, got like tons of levels, but they seem so flat, and that there's no sort of um, what's it called? There's no uh, association of space between uh, one yeah. area and another. It's like you get into a bathosphere and it's like, oops, you're in the med medical pavilion. It's like, oh, how far away is that? Is this not in the same yeah. building? Like, what? True. Like, just like yeah, in the first area where you, where you see one of the first uh, big days and everything's just kind of all squished together. Mm. Kind of feels like you're in the, uh, like, a warehouse basement the whole time. I guess so yeah, that's yeah. just going back the whole, it's underwater. So here's, here's what it feels like to be underwater. But a good thing yeah. is, well, like, if you. 
you look at the opening to um, Bioshock 2 and you get that exact same feeling where it's like, is Bioshock built on two floors? Is that it? Like, <laughs> is it, does it go any higher, please? They try to incorporate some separation. Like, they have that whole area that's supposed to be like a forest. And then right. there's yeah, like, um, Hephaestus is like a big plant, you know? Mm. So they try to differentiate it, but at the, because it's so sectionalized... And it's like yeah. you get into a bathosphere and you just click a button and then you're in a completely different area. And it's like, okay, but how did I get here? It's kind it's of even like, a bit... again... Sorry, it's you go. Uh, okay, I, was just, I was just going to say, it's even a bit of a Metroidvania design. And mm. there's a lot of areas they'll return to now with the new plasma that you can use to melt ice or create ice or whatever. <laughs> That's exactly it what I was thinking, areas. where it's, it's like it's old school game design in its core. And it's like the game has lots and lots of those sort of very classic touches, um, which yeah. would like paint it over. And it just holds together just enough to make it really good. But I think if they added in too many um, other... I mean, I like you, I turned Vita Chambers off straight away because it's, to me, the whole concept of lives and respawning stuff. Not for me. I want to just do it. Yeah. And if I fail, I fail, and I have to do it again. Sort of yeah, thing. right. I was, feel, I was playing more carefully after that. The first time I started playing on hard, I was just like, oh, okay, running through, and then I got killed by spice. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I actually have to try now. Okay. Did you, um, yeah. did you ever get BDS, Big Daddy Syndrome, wherever you beat a Big Daddy, and then for the next 10 minutes afterwards, you'd be like, yeah, I can do anything. I just took down that motherfucker. I'm going to go out. And you just walk around the corner, yes. and then a normal spice. No, because just I haven't seen any yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I might say, I just got the grenade launcher, so. So maybe I can start setting up some heavy artillery. But I tried. Like the first time, like the first time you leave the area, just get to, we'll say, the second area. And then there's a, a prompt that comes up. You haven't killed that big dead yet. You're going to need that energy. So I'm going, okay. So I saved it. I ran back <laughs> and all my ammo was gone. And I barely even got uh, one fourth of his energy away. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, no, this, I can't do this in this, this, this difficulty yet. And every so, time he hits me, he does that rushing charge, like I mentioned before. And it was, ex- I'm sure it's faster and hard as opposed to regular yeah, difficulty. Yeah, yeah. And every time you get that, you're, you have to heal. Otherwise, no, you won't take another hit. I think I would argue that this is like one of the very few games where the difficulty of your enemies is kind of reversed. Like mm. the, the bosses in this game, I would argue, are the easiest. Mm, and then the splicers are kind of in the middle and your optional baddies are impossible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. It's like the yep. um, people always complain optional about, boss dungeons. People always complain about that last boss fight, saying it's too easy. Doesn't hard isn't mode, he... mate? Wait until you get to it. It is yeah. bu- It is bullshit hard. Just because yeah. it's like um, you you weaken him for the first time, and he's just sort of like splices, 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 splices. You're like, okay, fine, okay, right, just chill out. I've just killed 20 of them. Don't bring any more in. And it's like, nah, splicer, splicer, splicer. He's putting his little splicer. And now security bots. Yeah, and it's just sort of like, when did I gain control of these? (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the overall, um, how we all felt. I personally, um, whether or not you're a fan of first-person games, Rapture is a game that you should play. Uh, Mm. That's the reason it was up for one of the votes on the club. and It's the reason I think that it won the vote. It's because anybody who knows, anybody who's played Bioshock knows that it's a game that you should play. Mm. And anybody who hasn't played Bioshock hasn't fucking lived. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I agree. It is a game that should be experienced at least once. And uh, and even if you are not a fan of first-person shooters, just give it a shot. Because uh, it made a believer out of me. So. Would you watch a Bioshock movie? Oh, in a heartbeat. What if it was made by Michael Bay? I would still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Uwe Boll presents. Yeah. Oh, God, he might do it. Yeah. Instead of being underwater, it would happen in a mountain. Can we just not discuss this because it might happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you know that line deserves more credit because that was good saying that it wouldn't be underwater it'd be in a mountain <laughs> that I'm pretty sure they've mused about making Bioshock into a movie but it ended up getting oh, yeah. dropped uh, directed by Gore Verbinski and John Logan because I'm looking at the cancelled film thing now I would watch that Stephen, what about you? What are your uh, your lasting impressions from Bioshock? What uh, what messages do you did you take from the city? I have notes in front of me the very first thing I've written down is Hobo Simulator Bioshock is a game where you play as a hobo who has to survive by eating garbage out of the trash and mugging people just to survive, to see another day. Wow, that's accurate. That is, that is a really accurate point you've just made. Why does all of the protagonists in Bioshock series feel the need to rummage through garbage? <laughs> Just well, eat everything. In Rapture, it's survive. interesting that after the fall of the world, the only thing that survived were potato chips. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, could, they retained their crunchiness. You hear them. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And it's a good point as well, because no one in Rapture is starving, because they're all just sort of like, oh, I just want to get, get so much Adam. We've got so much food lying about. We just chuck it away. And they completely open. <laughs> Booze and cigarettes. Yeah. Mm, it's party time. All the time at Rapture. <laughs> Rapture stinks. <laughs> It almost reminds me a bit of the uh, the future time in Chrono Trigger. How they're just they're all kind of existing. It kind of sucks to be there, but you know, right. they're just one day at a time, I guess. Yeah. So, but we... you're still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> is it safe to say you like the game? I know this is a multiple playthroughs owned on many different consoles. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, makes you think. Fun to chat about. Uh, I was kind of surprised we don't interact with water more. I, when I was playing the game, I was like, oh, man, we're going to be walking outside at some point. No, mm. never happens. Mm. I guess they just didn't want to ruin the whole old-time town weird science and yeah. robot Frankensteins walking around. But You can electrocute puddles. Yeah, yeah true. it's true. You get those moments where like, the, the tunnels are like getting flooded. Do those ever actually flood, or does the water just keep pouring in? Has anyone ever just... just stood around and <laughs> <laughs> waited to see what happened? Yeah. It's like Far Cry 2 with the fire. It just spreads, keeps spreading. Mm. But no, it, it doesn't actually get any bigger, unfortunately, which is a shame. That's <laughs> oh, too bad. Yeah, good stuff. Good game. Very dark. I like the darkness and that makes the atmosphere. It's spooky. <laughs> it gets our official TFU seal of approval. Yeah. So did, it, you, uh... did, you hear the, did you hear the passion I gave that? I did hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so you like it, Jay? I mean, you read the book. I um, fucking love. So not Bioshock. only not only do you like Bioshock, you had to teach yourself to read so you could read the book. <laughs> I did. When I first started off, I was just sort of turning the pages and just sort of slamming the book against my face and hoping I just absorbed the knowledge. But yeah. now I have to use my eyes. <laughs> what is this word? <laughs> um, Scribbles. <laughs> but no, I really, really enjoyed Bioshock, and I'm in love with the series. And no matter how much it spurned my affections in later years, but I think that it's one that encapsulates such a beautiful image of decay and grandiose fuckuppery <laughs> that it just is a beautiful piece of work. And I would say that people who tout on about 
games as art and stuff like that whatever let them have their conversations and stuff like that this is a pure gaming experience that deserves to be up in the highest echelons of gaming history <laughs> i sold it enough in that yeah 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 but, uh, there you go it's it i find it really neat that when we had mark on um from tfu mm. it mm. was on metal gear solid which is a series and a franchise that he is very passionate about um and like to the point where he I'm pretty sure has real emotional feelings for Otacon. He's he's got he's got he's got his Foxhound tattoo now. Does he? Yeah, he got that done, and he's getting another one of Metal Gear Ray on his back. Oh, that's perfect. Wow. Yeah. So he he loves that series, and you could hear when he spoke how how much. Let's all get it, chain tattoos. Let's all yeah. let's do it. I would yeah. I wouldn't mind awesome. one of those actually. That'd be pretty cool. You can hear it, but you can hear it in this whole throughout this whole episode. I knew right from as soon as you started talking. That this was another series that you felt the same way about Bioshock that he does with Metal Gear, and I love that we have a chance to talk to somebody who, yeah, who just who is so insanely. I hate to keep using the word passionate, but passionate about a game. <laughs> yeah. That you know what I mean? Like it's so great because you know you read the book, you know a little bit extra, and the feelings that you have and why you feel that way. It's great. Yeah, and, I uh, hope though that I. Uh, I can take criticism of the game, though. I do appreciate that it's not perfect, like, in every aspect. I'm not going to be one of those fanboys that is just like, no, you're wrong. Bioshock is the best game ever. But <laughs> it's a very good game. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So, Lo, why don't you, because uh, you also have played it multiple times, and it sounds like it's a game that you would recommend to others. Absolutely. I think... I mean, it does some stuff just so beautifully, and it's interesting that it's a first-person shooter because I'd argue that it's it's the antithesis of a first-person shooter, mm. and a, you know, for especially modern shooters are just about killing people and blowing shit up. Right. That's really not a big part of Bioshock. No. Um, it's a game for people who enjoy story and character development and atmosphere, and we've we've discussed how much it incorporates in this game without really even trying. Like it's you know. You can argue it's it's horror aspects and what have you, and even for a game that's kind of dated now, and the graphics aren't as alarming as they were when it first came out, but it the atmosphere itself, the the, the place that it just manages to build, and you're in this place. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, no. it's just beautiful. It just comes together so well, and. I, that's one of the things that I think the downfall of the Bioshock series is just that it's really, really difficult to do this more than once, to bring it all together the way it does without annoying people, without confusing people, without uh, adding unnecessary characters and understanding. I mean, like I said, I've played it a bunch of times now and I understand now the importance of guys like Peach Wilkins and Sander Cohen <laughs> they're not just bosses like they're really important and when you learn that and you get to learn the history of rapture i mean it's like fuck history class give me this <laughs> yeah really that's true kids these days <laughs> uh that's my point one thing is that it's great that it actually gives you a certain degree of choice which is something i think has been uh, uh replicated further in more recent games like this sort of thing where if you want you can try and sneak up behind a uh, splicer and beat them with a uh a giant wrench, or if you want to go in plasma route, or long distance with the eventual uh, bolt thing you get. What's it called? Crossbow? Yeah. And then you can play some Pokemon Snap afterwards and take pictures. And <laughs> Did anybody use that camera? <laughs> uh, I did, because you do get the research bonus, so you get yeah. more, uh, more yeah. stuff. And it was, it was painstaking, though, because there's so many times that I've been like sort of taking a photo, 
and it's the big daddy's drill is just coming into my face and I'm sort of like great shot bang (laughs) (laughs) that or you're just about to shoot the Houdini and he disappears and you're like well fuck you pal and then you you notice that you're so low on film all the time you're like god damn it it's a nice little bonus thing yeah it was pretty cool I mean well, we weren't the only people that played this month. There were others that uh, played, and they made some announcements on Twitter mm-hmm. and um, some tweets, if you will, and some uh, some people were writing on the forums that you can find at www.cartridgebros.ca. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had the opportunity to visit us there, you can get a list of what games are coming up. You can also join in on the discussion um, as if you were a part of the family. Yeah. Um, cool. And we'll probably make fun of you. If you're part of the family. Yeah. So uh, I just want to mention a few things here that because uh, a lot of the comments here uh, mimic um, what we've already said. But uh, we had a, a newcomer to Bioshock this month, uh, Sarka Sim. She is uh, a blogger who also has a really good blog that you should check out. It's on WordPress. Uh, it's called Caught Me Gaming. And she is the husband to... Uh, Buried on Mars, who's been on the show. The husband? Many, uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> She is the wife. We all know who wears pants. I didn't know Mars swung that way. Save. <laughs> and uh, so one of the comments she made, she wrote, a, she fin- she, did, she finished the game this month, and she wrote a blog about it. Um, you can find it on her site. We also tweeted it. Uh, it's on Facebook. Uh, but she, one of her comments was, "This is a first time playing Bioshock. Although I remember well my husband playing it years ago. Specifically, I remember the first scene in the water." When I first started playing it myself, I was very much creeped out, but I wasn't frightened. The constant emotion right now, she was on the fourth chapter, is unsettled. And I think that uh, we all can agree that that feeling <laughs> of unsettledness is yeah, it's pretty something that sticks with you. Consistent bread. Um, and her husband also played this month, and he, uh, he had one complaint with the game, and it's that he found it too easy. But, uh, it's because everybody knows Kevin is so good at games. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You can change the difficulty at any time. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, he was yeah. playing it on hard. Yeah. Um, and on Twitter, we had uh, Round 2 Gaming. He completed it. Uh, Dean Lasagna completed it this month. Yeah. And he did up a, uh, a little graphic that uh, I love. And it's a picture of a big daddy with a little sister. And it says, a bro chooses, a gamer obeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I like that because... Strokes my ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's our comments from uh, Twitter and uh, the forums. If you want to have your comment read on the podcast, just uh, go ahead and leave one on the forums. We look through those and we uh, mention any ones that uh, stand, stand out to us. Um, the ones that suck, we don't talk about. And <laughs> uh, if you're on Twitter, you can just use the hashtag Cartridge Club, all one word. And um, we search that the day of the podcast and we'll let you know. Uh, we'll, re- we'll happily read your your experiences on uh, on the air so that's the game folks that's bioshock um i really enjoyed talking about it today with all of you you uh are three people who interacting with is always a pleasure yeah Uh, yeah i just want to say thanks definitely for having you guys on because playing the game was great but hearing more about it was what really got me interested and uh, if it wasn't for you guys I probably wouldn't know as much as I do now yeah. thank you thank yeah. you Jules and I will be here all week <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. so if you need to know more on the history and present state of Rapture you could find Jules at <laughs> TFU oh, sorry Tiger fucking uppercut <laughs> YouTube just, just type in random words you'll get there eventually <laughs> yeah. yeah um and so that's for for past events in Rapture because he is the book guy. Right, right. Yay! Yeah. I'm gonna start calling you Bookman. 
Okay. And okay. I, would, we, I would say Booker, but that would be an insult. Uh, I knew you were gonna say it. I was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Lo, what about yourself? Uh, let's hear that website one more time. You want www.tandthenshegames.com, and I will have a Bioshock blog up soon. Ooh, excellent. Hmm. I have uh, I have McDonald's for lunch, so I'll be able to read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Stephen. Yeah, feel free to check out uh, my YouTube channel once again. That's Cat Max Gaming, uh, or look up my podcast that I call the Cat Max Hypecast. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some more episodes up for that pretty soon. Once I figure out how to do audio editing, <laughs> it's hard. It takes a long time. Just by and uh, <laughs> at Stephen Eider, that's Stephen with the V E I D H E R. That's my Twitter. So uh, feel free to follow me there. Yeah, um, all three of these guests are fantastic. Their channel, but the two gentlemen with YouTube channels are great channels. And Lowe's blog uh, is one of my favorite things to do while I'm in the, t- in the bathroom. Yeah, check them out. Um, <laughs> so please, what please go and check them out. <laughs> uh, we are the Cartridge Bros and Player One. My brother's Player Two. Uh, if yeah. you're listening to this podcast, chances are you know that. Um, but if you don't, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, LinkedIn, uh, Grinder. Um, and at Uh so next month uh, we're actually very excited this month was all repeat guests last month was all repeat guests and for August we are going to have three brand new guests um, that have never been on the show before so we're very excited for that and unfortunately I won't be here but we have a special guest host coming in to fill the role of P1 so uh, basically anybody at all who hasn't played the game. Um, <laughs> and doesn't and, uh, finish it. And doesn't and finish doesn't it, finish. that's right, because it's too hard or because you just don't. <laughs> uh, so the game for next month is uh, the NES Classic Star Tropics. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't played it, it's a great opportunity. And if you're sort of yo-yoing on whether or not you want to get Aww. into the cartridge club, <laughs> that's a good one to jump in with. I see what you did there. Because yeah, it's the weapon. <laughs> All right, uh, everybody knows we don't script endings, so I'm going to leave it up to you three fine people. Would you kindly take us home? It's a podcast of value!